0: I am so glad, in spite of all her flaws, and America's got a lot of them, that we're free to come to church the way we want, worship the way we want. And I'm so thankful for a free country. Amen? Amen. 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 On that note, it might seem strange that I would talk about money on the 4th of July weekend. But you know, I've learned money is very spiritual in this respect. Jesus said, you can't serve God in money. He said, you will either love one and hate the other, or you'll hate one and love the other. You'll have a love-hate relationship with anything you try to bring alongside and be a God alongside the God. If you have two gods, you're going to love one and hate the other. It's going to end up being love-hate. You can't serve God and debt. The more you're in debt, the less you're free to serve God. So in that respect, money has a spiritual uh, connection. So today I want to talk to you about New Testament giving. And see, here's what I know. A financially strong church is a church that can reach its city and reach the nation and reach the world. So how many of you know, if ever America needed to be reached with the word of God, it is now. Amen? So, we're going to talk about your finances, and you, you're already thinking, some of you, oh man, I wish I hadn't come to church today, he's going to talk about money. But you're going to find this is going to bless you, and it's going to illuminate you, and it's going to teach you what the Bible actually says about giving. I'm not going to scam you, I'm not going to make false promises, I'm going to tell you the truth about you and your money. So let's read 2 Corinthians 8, 1-4, through 4. and this is the Apostle Paul. He's bragging on some churches that were located in the region of Macedonia. Here's what he says. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Though they have been going through much trouble and they've been going through hard times, they have mixed their wonderful joy with their deep poverty, and the result has been an overflow of giving to others. Wait a minute, if they're in poverty, how are they powerful givers? Because giving you do no matter if you've got a lot or a little. And then he says, watch this. They gave not only what they could afford, but far more than they could afford. And I testify that they did it because they wanted to. Everybody say they wanted to. And not because of nagging on my part. That's why I picked the Living Bible to read this. Because I love that nagging part. (laughs) So they're, they're giving not because they were nagged into giving. They begged us to take money, to take the money, so that they could share in the joy of helping the Christians in Jerusalem. Lord, thank you for your word today. And I pray that your word will set us free. You said we would know the truth and it would set us free. Now, Lord, I pray truth prevails today. And that truth sets us free in our finances to serve God with all of our heart in Jesus' name. Will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart? I receive your word engrafted into my soul in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I think it's going to be good, even though it's about money. <laughs> tell them. <laughs> Somebody came up to me in the first service in the, in the altar afterwards. She said, I'm visiting for the very first time today, and she told me she was a teacher of elementary school children, and she's a single mom. She said, I'm here for the very first time today, and as soon as you said you were talking about money, I thought, oh no, I'm in a typical Baptist-type church. She said, but what you had to say about money really affected me, and you said it in a way I've never heard it before. Well, that encourages me. Now, last time we talked about four different types of financial lifestyles. Everybody in here has a financial lifestyle. There are principles you live by in your money. All right? We started with the worst. I'm not gonna go into it all uh, again, but we ended with the best, and I'll tell you what the best financial lifestyle is one more time. It is living by the 80-20 financial lifestyle, the 80-20 financial principle, and here's what that is. Out of every dollar that I have, I give a dime to God, and I put a dime in savings. Now, if I could convince teenagers to start living that way right now, they would be rich by the time they were 40. If you take every dollar that you get, and you give a dime to God and a dime into savings, then you're living on 80% of your income, and that means you're living below your means. And you know what else it means? It means that you're financially free. If you're living below your means, you're giving a dime to God, a dime into savings, then you're, you're living below your means on 80% of your income. You say, Well, Jeff, I can't do that. If I did that, I couldn't pay my bills. You can work towards it. I'm giving you something to reach for. In all transparency, that's the way I live right now. I give a dime to God and I put a dime into savings. That's the way that I live. I am financially free. That's the way that I live. And I believe that leadership, that whatever leadership has flows downward. And so I want you to be strong and balanced in your finances like God has helped me to achieve. I want you to have it. It took me years to get there. And I had to cut up a lot of Jehovah Visas (laughs) to get there. And what I did, we used to have like four or five credit cards that we were in debt to. And so we picked the one that had the worst interest rate, and we began to attack that one with the money. And we retired one. It was such a joy when it was all paid off to cut that card, that Jehovah Visa up. And we went to the next one, the next, and the next one, until finally we were out of debt to those credit cards and, and those companies that love to bring you into debt. I probably get an offer a week in the mail to get another credit card. And you know what I do with that? It goes immediately into file thirteen. Because I'm not gonna live in debt. Now, so you live 80-20. Now we also saw that money is put simply put, simply defined, money is the resource that empowers us to get what we want or need. We're living in a capitalistic society, we all need things. We have a currency. We have a, an economy, and every economy has a currency. The dollar, the mark, the, the Deutschmark, the, the franc, whatever it happens to be. And that dollar, the American dollar, is simply the means to an end. It is how we get what we want or need. Clothes, food, shelter, a car, whatever it is, we all need money. But money is neutral. Money can be good. Money can be bad. Money is sort of like a gun. A gun is not evil. It's how you use it. It's how you choose to use it. You can use it for good or for bad. Money's the same way. Money can bless you. Money can curse you. You can do good things with your money or you can do very bad things with your money. You can buy things you shouldn't or buy things you should. Money can bring you into slavery or money can serve your priority. You can serve it or it will serve you, one of the two. Now, whatever we give our money to reveals our priorities, what we consider the most important. See, all of us in here today, we all have a treasure. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Your treasure is what you value the highest. We have all put a highest number one value on something. All of us have. For some of us, it's us. We worship the altar of me, myself, and I. I value me. Or we value a job. Or we value things. Or we value a, a house. Or we value some other thing. But listen, kingdom living is when you value him above all else. Jesus said, seek ye first. He didn't say second, third, or fourth. He was talking about prioritizing your values. If you value the kingdom, you're going to put it first. You're going to prioritize it. See, you're in church today. That tells me you have put a value on church. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. You'd be doing something else. But you woke up this morning, you said, well, I don't really feel like it. But I'm going to roll out of bed. Jesus got up from the dead. You can roll out of bed. You you got up and and you rolled out of bed. And you got dressed. And you prioritize getting into that car and driving to church because you value the kingdom of God. So you prioritized it. It is part of your treasure. And I'm so glad it's part of your treasure. So whatever I prioritize is what I value most. And what I value most is where I'm going to put my money. Jesus said, where your heart is, that's where I'm going to find your treasure. Whatever you're valuing, that's where you're going to put your money. Amen. Guarantee you. Whatever you love, that's where your money goes. And so I told you last week, I can tell everything, well, not everything, but a lot of what I want to know about your life by just looking at your calendar or your checkbook because that reveals what we prioritize. Now, let me tell you something. I don't give to God's work because I have to. The New Testament does not command me to tithe. Now, I just shocked some of you into a stupor. Because you haven't heard a preacher say that, have you? But I'm going to tell you, the, the New Testament does not tell Christians to tithe. It tells us to give. It encourages us to be givers. But we're not under Old Testament law. We're under New Testament grace. So listen carefully to me. I don't give because I have to. I give to God's work because of my values. Because of what I value. That's I give to God's work because I value God's work. I value the gospel of Jesus Christ. I value the furthering of the kingdom of God. I value reaching others in Jesus' name. I value shining his light everywhere that I can. I value the kingdom of God and the king of the kingdom. Amen? And because I value him, that's why I give, to propel the work of the kingdom forward. Because like it or not, it takes money to reach people. It takes money to give us this air conditioning right now. How many of you can say amen, thank God we have that AC? It takes money to get this building. It takes money to, to go on radio. It takes money to open these doors. It takes money. Listen, it takes money to bring the good news to people. And so I know that as I give to the kingdom, I'm doing it because it's what I value Highest. It's what I value, so I prioritize it in my finances. I say no to other things, folks, all the time on a regular basis so that I can give into the work of God. I mean, 10% of my income, there's a lot of things I could do otherwise with 10% of my income, but I say no. And I say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to spend that on me. I'm going to be, as Jesus said, rich toward God, and I'm going to put a dime at least of every dollar into the work of the kingdom to propel it forward because that's where my values are. Amen. So I want to share with you today three life-changing truths about you and your money. First, New Testament giving is grace-driven. I want you to say grace-driven. Now, in the New Testament, we're under grace and not under law. In our text that we read at the very beginning... The churches in in Macedonia that Paul mentions were very poor, and they were experiencing persecution. They were poor, they were poverty-stricken, and they were being persecuted for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice what Paul says they did. In spite of their poverty, in spite of having next to nothing, they hardly had two pennies to rub together. They gave out of their own need to help poor people in Jerusalem, poor saints, In Jerusalem, they gave out of their need, and they were also being persecuted and poverty stricken. The saints in Jerusalem were experiencing the heat of red hot persecution. And so, these Macedonian churches, though they didn't have anything themselves very little they took up this really big offering. And the Bible says they gave what they could, and then they gave more than they could to help the poor in Jerusalem. I'm going to quote it. They gave not only what they could afford, but they gave far more. Their giving was exceeding abundantly above and beyond what they could normally commonsensically do. But they said, God has touched us. Now I want you to notice, Paul says that their giving, the giving of these Macedonian churches, their giving was grace-driven giving. He said, we make known to you. The grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Well, the grace of God he's talking about is the grace to give. The grace to give. See, God touched their heart. New Testament giving, folks, is a heart thing. It's not a mandated thing, it's a heart thing. Everybody say a heart thing. How many of you can say, Jesus, when I got saved, he touched my heart? He touched my heart. How many of you are thankful for amazing grace? How sweet the sound, it saved a wretch like you. You once were lost, now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. The grace of God led me into salvation, brought me into salvation. I'm saved by grace through faith, faith through grace. I'm saved by grace, and not not by works, lest any man should boast. But the grace of God not only led me into salvation, the grace of God also... With these Christians, we're reading about release giving in their lives. It touched them to be givers. Their giving was grace driven. It wasn't force giving. It was not guilt-driven giving. It was not following a huge sales pitch. And it was not following a scam. But they gave out of being grace-driven. Can we say grace-driven again? See, you're grace-driven today. The grace of God is working on you today. I'm about to read that to you. But the grace of God is at work to you, on you today, in you today, and every single day of your life, the grace of God is working in you. Now, here's what Paul says. He says, I'm praying for the same grace that was on the Macedonian churches. He says to the Corinthian church, he says, I'm praying the same grace will come on you. Let me quote him. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. He says, man, you, you Corinthians, you've got a lot of good things going on. You've got a lot of good things happening in your church. But I'm praying for one more grace thing to happen in your church. He says, I pray that as you've been gifted in all these other things, I want you also to excel in this grace of giving. I'm praying that the grace of To give, grace-driven giving will lay hold of you, grab hold of you, and move you to be givers. Amen. It was a grace thing. Giving is a grace thing. God's grace for salvation had been poured out on them, and it manifested in a giving heart even above and beyond their means. Now, as I read the Bible, this is what I believe New Testament giving is all about. I believe it's grace-driven. It's not law. It's not mandated. As a matter of fact, let me make a statement. In the Old Testament, giving was mandated. In the New Testament, giving is celebrated. Amen. In the Old Testament, it was mandated. But in the New Testament, it's celebrated, and it flows out of a heart touched by grace. Let me read to you what the Bible says God is doing inside of all of us. Paul wrote to the church, you must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives how, everybody? Cheerfully. Now notice that verse. Giving is from the heart. Decide in your heart. Give cheerfully. Don't give out of pressure. Those are all heart issues. Those are all attitudinal. Those are all things that come from within us. We're not being mandated He is telling us that God is working in your heart not only to give, but to give joyously, to give happily, to give with a celebratory attitude. So grace-driven giving is a God-given desire because of God's grace to graciously pour out what you have for the cause of Christ. Listen to this verse. God is working in you. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, God's working in you. And some of you looked right at me and said it. Turn to your neighbor and say it. God is working in you. Now turn to the other side and say you too. If you're a believer, God is working in you. Ongoingly, every day, God is working in you. God's working in you. Now, how is that manifest? How is God working in me? What does that mean? He tells us, God is working in two ways. Here's the way God's working manifests. He gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. See, God gives Holy Ghost desire. When I was called to preach, I never heard a word from heaven. Jeff, preach or die. I never heard a word. I never saw a cloud formation in the sky. You know how God called me to preach? The the grace of God was working in me and the power of God was working in me. And, and, And as God worked in me, he gave me a desire. It was a burning desire. It chewed me up alive. I could not get away from it. The more I prayed that God would take it away because I had terrible stage fright, church. I mean, there was a time the very thought of being up here like this in front of you would have sent me into a fainting spell. But God laid his hand on me. And told me to preach, and the way he showed it to me was the burning to preach and teach and communicate the word of God began to eat me up alive. I could not as a matter of fact, the more I prayed about it, the worse it got until finally I had to give vent to what God did in me. So God was working in me to give me the desire. But watch this: after he gives you the desire, he gives you the power to follow through with it. He gives you the power. This is what grace does. Grace gives you Holy Ghost desire and then Holy Ghost ability to fulfill the desire. Amen. Amen. Now, how many of you know what a spotter is? How many of you know what a spotter is? Okay, if you work out with weights, uh, you're in the gym, you lay down on a bench press. Let's say you pick up 150 pounds and you pick it up and you bring it down to your chest and you're going to pick it up again. But you're not as strong as you thought. And you bring that down, you bring that weight down and and, and you're embarrassed to admit that you can't get that all the way back up and put it back in the holder. You're kind of stuck. And now you've got these weights on your chest. You want to pick it up, but you can't. And then somebody comes out of the blue and they're called a spotter. And they put their fingers around that bar and they help you lift what you could not normally lift. And so you lift that 150 pounds with the help of the spotter and put it back in its holder. And that's what the grace of God does with you and me. God tells us to do this or to do that or to do the other. And then we say, oh Lord, I want to do it, but I can't lift this. And he says, that's where my grace steps in, because I'm going to help you do what you could not normally do on your own. And so the grace of God comes along and helps us lift. And so we walk with Jesus. We talk with you. We defeat sin. We glorify God. We, we, we crucify the flesh. We do all these things that we could not normally do if it were not for the help of the heavenly spotter. Grace is heaven's spotter to help us pick up what we could not normally pick up. Amen? Come on, everybody. He gives me the desire... And then he gives me the power to do God's will. He changes our nature. This is the way all good works begin in the New Testament. God's grace creates a desire, and then he gives the power to follow through. He changes my nature. He changes my want to do. He changes my motivation. He gives me a brand new heart. How many of you are glad that God changed you? Amen. Amen. God changed you. So New Testament giving flows from a redeemed heart that values the Lord's work and wants to give towards its success. So New Testament giving is first grace-driven. Can you say that with me, grace-driven? Grace-driven. Now, the second truth about New Testament giving is this. It's focused on God's glory. It always focuses on God's glory. Paul wrote this. He said, when we take your gifts to those who need them, they're going to thank God. Now, can you just imagine... These Jerusalem Christians who were in poverty, they didn't have anything. They were being terribly persecuted. And then here comes Paul with this giant financial gift. And he just gives them money. And then they say, well, where did this money come from? And he says, well, it came from the poor Christians who were in Macedonia. And they gave what they didn't have. They gave above and beyond their means. They gave exceeding abundantly above. And they wanted to give to you. And so out of their poverty, they have given to you. And don't you know that these Jerusalem Christians looked up and they gave glory to God? Amen? How many of you who are in financial trouble would give God a little bit of glory if I walked up and gave you a $1,000 check right now? How many of you would say, how many of you would have a benefit right about then? See? When we obey God, In New Testament giving, it brings glory to God. We give for the glory of God. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, when you give, don't let your left hand even know what your right hand is doing, that your Father who sees in secret will openly reward you. But if you give to be seen of men, if you take that $100 bill out of your wallet, and you pop it where everybody looks and sees, and then you drop it in the offering bucket, Jesus said, you got your reward right then. Lap it up. It's all you're going to get. But if you take out that $100 bill and nobody sees it, and you drop it on the offering plate and you give it for the glory of God, it says the Father who's watching in secret is going to reward you in the open. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we give of our finances, folks, for the glory of God. I don't give it for the glory of Jeff. I don't give it for the glory of Turning Point Church. We give our finances for the glory of God. Jesus said, the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let me, let me, give you a, let me illuminate you a little bit about our church. When you give into your TPC home, your Turning Point Church, do you know that every day over 3,000 children in different parts of the world are fed, clothed, housed, and educated? Did you know that in Africa, what we give every month to, and I mean a sizable sum, they now have built a medical facility just for children who have HIV, whose parents died of HIV, and now we're providing them the medicine to stop them from dying from it, but to live with it and and have victory over it. And every time they receive that medicine, it is given to them in the name of Jesus. And don't you know, that glorifies God. That glorifies God. On top of that, untold tens of thousands of people each and every day Already today, the entire United States of America has heard this church teach and preach the word of God in every state in the union because of radio. Do you know that 10 years ago, we were on one station here in the Dallas-Fort Worth market. Then somebody came to me and said, would you like to be on a network? And I said, sure, I'd like to be on a network. And before I knew it, God made it possible. And we went on a network. And we began to broadcast in several different states throughout the union, key states, we went into Chicago. We went into California. We went into Spokane, Washington. We're on at 8 o'clock in the morning in Chicago. I'm still waiting for Oprah's call. <laughs> She's going to hear me one of these days. But that put us in key parts of the country. Then another person came up to me and said, Hey, would you like to be on another radio network? And I said, Sure. And God made it possible. And so now we're on two networks, and we're reaching many other states in the Union. Then I got approached, hey, would you like to be on satellite? And I said, sure, we'd love to be on satellite, and God made that possible. And so we went on satellite, and that put us squarely in every state in the Union. And then I was approached, hey, would you like to leave the United States and go around the world? And I said, sure. And God opened the door, and guess what? It was F-R-E-E now watch this when we first went on it put us in 102 countries around the world it put us in israel it put us all throughout europe it put us in key parts of the world there's 195 countries in the world we're on we were on 102 last week i got called and told that it's gone from 102 to 108 countries and so now see when you give to the glory of god What it's doing is, it's empowering us to reach into 108 countries in the world. And when they receive the word of God, God is glorified. Amen? Amen. And you who call Turning Point, your church home, each and every week, you are touched, you're strengthened. and, And that brings glory to God. Do you know that we have 61 different ministries in this church right now? that reach people with the love of Jesus each and every day. And when they are touched by Jesus, it brings glory to God. I could go on, I could name things all day. But suffice it to say, we give not for my glory, not for the church's glory, but we give for God's glory. New Testament giving is for the glory of God. Now the last thing I want to say. New Testament giving, we give... We give to reap a blessed harvest. Now, let me tell you the truth. I do not primarily give to get. That's not my motivation. I don't think that we ought to give so we can get back. I really don't. Let me, let me be truthful with you. If, if God told me today, hey, Jeff, from now on, when you tithe and when you give to my work, I, I'm not going to bless you for it anymore. I'm going to reach people through it, but I'm not going to give anything personally to you. I would still do it because I want to see people get, get, get reached get touched, get saved, get delivered, hear the good news. So I'm going to give whether or not it comes back to me at all. But here's the truth. I can't escape it coming back to me in the form of a blessed harvest because of what the Bible tells me about New Testament giving. Even though I don't give to get, I love the harvest that comes my way. Because when I give... God blesses me sometimes with things that money can't buy. I received an email this week about a woman who was driving down the highway listening to our broadcast, and she came under conviction in her car. And she pulled her car over to the side of the road and gave her heart to Jesus right there on the side of the road. Now, let me tell you, that's my harvest. That's my blessing. Come on, everybody. That's my blessing. Here's this woman driving down the road. She doesn't know she's going to get saved. She comes across us on the dial and ends up pulling over the side of the road. Excuse me, I'm getting off. I need to give my heart to Jesus. Amen. 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 The Bible says that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And thank God that God gave. See, when we give, we're acting like God we're doing what God does. For God so loved the world, he held back his only begotten son. Is that what it says? Did God say to us, well, too bad you sinned. Really sorry. Have a terrible life and hope you enjoy hell. Is that what God said? No. God so loved the world that he did what? Say it with me. Gave. Gave. He gave. Because he gave, you're sitting here. Because he gave, you're no longer sinning like you were. Because he gave, you've been born again. Because he gave, you're heaven bound and not hell bound. You're alive and not dead. You have sight and you're not blind. Because he gave, you've been redeemed. God so loved the world, he gave. When Jesus was looking at that huge crowd, they had no food. He said, give me what you have. A little boy with a sack lunch, five loaves and two fishes, turned it over to the disciples. The disciples said to Jesus, this is all we've got, five loaves and two fishes. But Jesus did something with what was given. It says he took it. He blessed it. He broke it. And then he, what did he do? Gave it. He took, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. And it was the given bread that became the multiplied bread. Paul told the Corinthian church, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply. What kind of seed? Read it with me. The seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now we all know an unsown seed will never be a multiplied seed. The only seed that is multiplied is the seed that is sown. Paul told the church, here's New Testament living. Here's kingdom reality. What you sow is what you're going to reap. You can't sow hate and get love. You can't sow sin and get righteousness. You can't sow a tomato seed and get an orange. What you sow, that is exactly what you're going to reap. Multiplied. Amen? I, I mean, I can put one seed in my backyard, and it ends up becoming this huge plant, with multiple seeds and that's the way it is when you sow into the kingdom of god when you give into the kingdom of god you're going to reach, reap a blessed harvest i don't sow i don't give to get but when i give i do get because god makes sure i reap a harvest what you sow you reap paul said he will provide and he will multiply the seed you have sown and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way, so you can always be generous. So I want you to say with me, the best seed seed. is a sown seed. seed. Amen. The best seed is a sown seed. See, when I get paid, when you get paid, we can spend all of it on ourselves. But if you eat all your seed, you have no seed to sow so that the, the potential in every seed is lost. When you eat your seed, it's gone forever. But when you sow your seed, it unlocks its potential and it multiplies. Amen? So here we are. You know, we're just another church in America. A good church, a wonderful church. I love our church. But we're just another church of thousands in America. But guess what? As we have given, look what God has done with the seed. In in 10 years, we, we have gone to reaching most countries in the entire world with the word of God. Look how he took that seed and multiplied Amen? So I want you to stand with me today, would you? And say with me, when I give a dime, out of every dollar, it is grace-driven for God's glory, and it brings a blessed harvest. Amen. That woman pulling over the side of the road, that's my harvest. Amen. You, you're my harvest. Amen? I mean, God, God will give you a harvest with things that money can't buy. So let's lift our hands to the Lord Jesus today. Father, every person in here has a financial lifestyle. Every one of us have been trusted by God as stewards to watch over the money he allows into our life. Now, Lord, I pray for this congregation that what you have taught me through the word of God and what you have established in my life will flow down into them. Help us, Lord, to live by 80-20. Get us to the place where we are free. Free to serve God, free to give to his work, free to to give according to our value system. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Now, would you pray with me, church, and say, Lord, I give to you my finances. Redeem them. Renew them. Bring them into conformity to the will of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you needed that today, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. 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 All right. I have an announcement today. Now, I told you, now we're going to pray for you. Oh, thank you. Now, this lady come up next to me. This is Cindy Clark. Now, some of you have seen her sitting over there, standing over there. Um, Some of you have never seen her before. Isn't she pretty? She's prettier on the inside. But now let me tell you, about 14, 15 months ago, we began to talk. And I had told the Lord, Lord, I just need somebody to talk to. Having lost Kathy, I really could not imagine ever... Being with someone in a lifelong relationship, again, I just couldn't ima- picture it, couldn't imagine it. Well, how many of you know God will surprise you, right? And um, so Cindy and I began to talk, and at first we were just doing things together, going places together, just talking. We had a lot of things in common. She's a church girl, she's raised in church. Her and her family used to travel around and sing in churches around America. It was a ministering family, and so uh, we kept seeing each other. I kept thinking, "Okay, that's enough," and then I kept seeing her. And then I was thinking, "Well, I don't want to give the wrong impression," and then I just went ahead and kept seeing her. And then one day I realized that I loved her. So now let me tell you something yeah now here, here's what happened I told you when I went on vacation I rented a gold wing motorcycle and I was driving in the hill country well she went with me I had no plans at all I really didn't but we stopped in this little town and went into this little Mexican food restaurant where all good things tend to happen <laughs> Mexican food restaurants right went in there And before I knew it, I just suddenly proposed. Uh, uh, And here we were, you know, all hot and sweaty and, you know, been wearing helmets and all that. And um, so she said, wow, I don't know. I'll pray about it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So right there, she said, yes. And so um go ahead and hold it that the ring oh not the kleenex she's holding up a kleenex okay there so there she's not feeling well no seriously she's fighting a cold but you'll hear her in a minute but anyway, she feels great spiritually. Don't get me wrong; that could be misinterpreted. I'm introducing you, and you don't feel well. Anyway, but uh, so we became engaged, and we're going to be married in early December. So I wanted you to meet her. Now, Cindy, anything you want to share? Well,
1: when we when we went on that road trip in the hill country and threw that at me i was like wait where are we
0: <laughs> i still don't remember don't no.
1: <laughs> so anyway yeah it, the lord is so good and um i've been coming to tpc for about 14 months now um i attend the third the third service mm-hmm. and i have visited the first and second a couple times but mostly i've been in the third service she comes from
0: well over an hour away yeah
1: so so but um I just, you know, I just am so blessed by this church body and what God has done. And so many of you have reached out to me and have loved on me and many have spoken into my life and I have gained some, some very cherished new friendships in this church. And I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done. And, and I look forward to getting to know each and every one of you at some point point. Uh, I do want to get to know you and your families, and I love and admire and respect this man so very much, and what God has done in his life, how he uses this man to speak into so many of us, and um, I just thank you all for blessing me and for welcoming me into this church.
0: Amen. 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 And I'm so glad she said yes. I told her friend, you would have had to have come and found me and scraped me off the cement with a spatula. But anyway, um, not only does she love the Lord, but she can sing like a bird. She'll do a special sometime soon. She has a beautiful voice, beautiful heart. Um, So much of her love for the Lord and love for God's people reminds me of Kathy. And what has struck me is the women who were the closest to Kathy love her. That spoke to me a lot. So, anyway. Thank you, sweetie. Now, in the first service, go ahead. She stood right there. Oh, yeah. Here comes. Now, Frank is going to be doing the wedding. Frank Alfredo amen and that terrified him
2: but he's going to do it so go ahead well well i just want to uh, give everybody the opportunity to pray with him and also uh, brennan was going to kind of explain that he doesn't go about this half-hearted uh he's come to the uh, eldership and ask for prayer, guidance, wisdom. He sets the example, not just does he tell you to seek guidance and wisdom, but he does that with the eldership board. Not that he needs permission to, to marry here, you know, obviously, but he, he did come to us and things like that. And so, uh, you know, we want to pray for him, give you an opportunity to pray with us uh, over him too. So, okay. <clears throat> All right, if you'll extend your hand towards Pastor and uh, Cindy and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, first of all, we thank you just for who you are. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you saw this day long before the world was ever created. And today, Father, we begin to experience the plans that you have already had in your heart. And today, as a, as the Turning Point Church family, we bless this union. We bless this couple. Father, we bless them in Jesus' name. We commit to pray for them. We commit to stand by them. And Lord, we look forward to what you are about to do. We thank you for what you've done, what you are doing. And Lord, we look forward in anticipation of what is yet to come for. We know it is good. And Lord, we, we just want your name in all of this to be glorified in Jesus name and all God's people said,
0: amen.